0: Amen. God is greater than anything, and that also includes worry. God, yes, God is greater than worry. And I want to talk to you this morning about how to do something I think is important, and that's how to kick the snot out of worry. How are we going to do that? By learning how to receive more answered prayer than the average bear, more answered prayer than the average person. That's what we want to go over this morning. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to see more answer prayer in our lives? We can start by using one little tool that we learned in school called math. You see, if we were both salesmen, let's say you and I were both on the same sales team, we had to sell a product. And in order to sell that product, we had to go to knock on doors every single day. But I only knocked on two doors a day, while you knocked on 100. So who do you think is going to sell more products? The person knocking on two doors... Or the person knocking on 100? It's simple, right? It's obvious. It's mathematics. The person knocking on 100 doors a day stands a better shot of selling more products. How about prayer? It's the same way with prayer. Who stands a better chance of seeing more answers to prayer? The person that seldom prays or the person that prays about everything? I'm just telling you, mathematically, it's the person that prays about everything, right? And that's just what the Word of God says in uh, Philippians, Philippians 4-6, don't worry about what? Anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, God says. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. That's God's antidote for worry. In other words, worry less Pray more, worry less, pray more. But some people might say, well, you know what, Chris? I don't know if I can pray about that, you know, like a parking spot or your golf swing or how to cook an omelet or whatever, all these crazy things I've prayed for, right? They say, I don't know. I've had people literally tell me, I don't know if I can pray for that. I don't want to bother God. I'm like, bother God? Philippians 4.6 says, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. That's one of the biggest lies and the biggest hindrances to answers to prayer is I don't want to bother God. Don't let anybody ever tell you you're bothering God when you're praying because you're not. God wants you praying about everything. It's in his word. And it's a secret to defeating worry, prayer. I speak of a story when I got a call from Josephine, Josephina from Italy. Uh, She resides in Pleasantville. She called me one morning. Mr. Chris, I got a leak in my roof. All worried, all distraught. I said, Josefina, don't worry about it. We'll get it squared away. We'll take care of it. I know a roofer in the church. I go right to the roofer. I said, hey, bro, can you go look at this widow's roof in Pleasantville and let me know, you know, what we can do? He comes back to me about a week later and says, man, bro, I looked at that roof. It's shot. It's going to be about $3,500 to square that roof away. And I'm like, ugh. I don't have the extra 3500 I know Josephine don't have the extra 3500 I said, all right, man, I'll get back to you. So he leaves right then and there. God speaks to my heart and says, Chris, did you even pray about Josephine's roof? I'm like, ah, no, Lord, I didn't, I didn't. He says, Chris, you're in the habit of praying about everything. Don't you ever fall out of that habit. I said, you know what, Lord, forgive me. You take care of Josephine's roof. Two weeks later, without saying a word to anyone, not a breath, that same roofer comes to me and says, Chris, remember that roof you had me look at? Yeah. He says, I'll do it for free. It's powerful. I try to muscle my way through it at first. God rebuked me, reminded me. I pray about it, and God handles it. Worry less, pray more. Amen. God wants us praying about everything. He's not bothered when we do. Look what it says in Isaiah 31.1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. Talking about Israel when they often went to Egypt instead of the Lord. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But who do not look to who? To the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. God says, woe to you. You're relying on him. You're not relying on me. And you think you're bothering God when you pray? There's that notion out there. God says, woe to you when you fail to rely on me. God desires dependence upon him for everything. Why? Because it brings him glory. Glory. It brings God glory when you live a lifestyle praying about everything. When you live a lifestyle worrying less, praying more, it brings God glory. Not only does it bring God glory, but it reminds you, teaches you, and those watching you, that there is a God in heaven who honors and answers prayer. Amen? You don't even have to preach to anybody. You just live a lifestyle praying about everything. You'll be preaching to them because things will be happening. Amen? And don't say, wow, what is going on? I'm just simply praying about everything, bro. And God is showing up. God desires dependence upon him for everything. And you would not be bothering God. My daughter Shelby often sees me obviously praying about silly stuff, my golf swing or whatever. So she prays about a bike. Uh, No, first she prays about Marty. Who's Marty? He's one spoiled pug. That's who Marty is. And uh, she comes to me and my wife after we already put two Labradors down. We had, we're like, uncle, no more dogs. Because it's tough to put a dog that you've been with for 15 years down. It's a family member. So here's our daughter coming to us for another dog. No, you got to be out of your mind. You got to be out of your military mind. I ain't taking in no other dog. But she prays, she prays, and somebody gives us a photo of a pug. Not her, somebody else, somebody else that's unrelated. Then we get, like, I don't know, an email message. My wife looks at me. I look at her. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. God started moving on our heart. Proverbs 21 says, the heart of a king is in the Lord's hand. He turns it any way he wants. you got a little girl praying for a dog. You don't think God's going to respond to that? He just turned my heart, turned my wife's heart, and here's Marty. All up in our face now. (laughs) He's here to stay, man. I tried to get rid of him a couple times. but My daughter Lauren, just the other night. At August Rush, we got the after party. Off the hook after party. Kids are killing each other with the pillows and just having a grand old time. Lori comes to me and says, hey, I'm going to take Lauren home because she's worn out, tired, you know. She, uh, just be better for her to go to bed early because Lauren does struggle getting up early sometimes. So I go into this after party. They're having a good old time. I got to tell my eight-year-old daughter, honey, you're going to go home with mom. What do you think Lauren does? Starts bawling. She starts crying right on the sidewalk over here. I said, hold on, honey. Let's not worry about it. Let's pray about it. Hold my little daughter. Nobody's around. I said, Lord, if it's your will for Lauren to stay at this party, you make a way for her to stay. Then we just go. She stops crying. We go all around this place. Can't find my wife. She's around, probably looking for me. But God had it where we couldn't run into each other, right? I said, Lauren, you're going back into the party, girl. She goes into the party. Then I run into Lori. I said, where's Lauren? I said, look, I looked all over for you. She's back in the party. Let her go. And then God, I chalked that up as answer prayer. Amen. It's good for our children to see us dependent on God for everything, not for just the big things, but for the little things. Worry less, pray more. And when you worry less and you pray more, you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. You're not bothering God. And here's something huge. The biggest takeaway that you're going to get from this morning the biggest blessing. If you live a lifestyle praying about everything, worrying less, praying more, God promises to you, to that specific person, something huge. Look at me with Lamentations 3.25. Incredible verse. The Lord is good to who? The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him, to those who make a conscious decision, depend on God rather than depend on their own horses, Their own chariots and their own strength. God says, because you're making a conscious decision to depend on me and me alone, I'm going to be good to you. doesn't say God's good to the perfect, right? It doesn't say God's good to the religious. I've been down that route and prayed and prayed and got no results. I used to pray written prayers over over and over and over and over and over and over again. God says, I'm good to those who depend on me. I'm good to the imperfect. I'm an imperfect person up here that's made a lot of mistakes, but I depend on God, and God keeps showing up in my life, not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm perfect, but because I depend on God for everything. I'm talking everything. God is good to those who depend on him. Through how? Through the means and the mechanism of prayer. That's how you're supposed to depend on God through prayer, as a father. So what does that mean? It means prayer was designed to kick the snot out of worry. Amen? Amen. But, Lord, why do you want me praying about everything? Why do you want me to depend on you, Lord? Why? Because I'm the Lord thy God, and I got you back. Just the other day I get a phone call from a grandmom. The grandmom is crying, almost incoherent on the phone, tells me about her little granddaughter. The mother of the granddaughter, which is her daughter, is hooked on heroin and involved in prostitution. They live in Philly. Custody, going to court. The one grandmom is going for full custody. She's the other grandmom and just wants to see her granddaughter, you know, half the time, not asking for anything extraordinary. She's crying on the phone. She says, I can't afford a lawyer. I can't do this, I can't do that, what should I do? And she's crying, I said, I don't know what you should do, but I do know that we can pray. So I pray for her, I said, Lord, I pray to you, make a way, and I pray that all the time. When I don't know what to pray, I say, Lord, make a way. I said, make a way for her to be able to see her granddaughter, make a way for her to be awarded this custody, Lord, make a way for her to be able to afford an attorney. As a matter of fact, I prayed, Lord, give her favor with an attorney, since she can't afford one. In Jesus' name, amen. And I said, now, when I hang up this phone, I want you to pull into the first lawyer's office you come to and you tell them your story. Long story short, she goes to the court, she hires the lawyer, the lawyer says it's $2,000, she gives them $600 down payment, they go to the court, The court awards her, the grandmom, half the custody, and gives her the whole summer, every summer, for the rest of this baby's life. She can see that child, and every single weekend. And the lawyer said, you know that $2,000? Yeah, the $600 is good to go. We're square. Praise the Lord. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. A powerful little habit is this. When you're standing on your back porch, when you're going for a walk, when you're having coffee, I do this. Sometimes I lay in my driveway, and on a good night, I look at the stars. I say, Lord, this is what I'm worried about. This, 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 and this. I tell God what I'm worried about. I communicate with him as a father, not just a God. And that's what I encourage you guys to do this morning. Don't talk to God as a God. Talk to him as a father. Tell them what you're worried about. Share your heart with God. A powerful habit is to develop a heart that shares with God. Why? Because God is concerned with the things you're concerned about. 1 Peter 5.7 says this. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares about you. The other night, Saturday night, last night, My one daughter, Lauren, bursts in the back room here. When I'm getting ready, I'm doing these notes. She's got this elephant, beautiful little elephant, all different colors. It's Lucy the Elephant. She went to Lucy the Elephant yesterday. Lucy's the 134-year-old, not the stuffed animal one, but the one that's in Margate, right? She comes in, look, Dad, look, 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 look what Mom got me, this and that and the other. I'm like, yeah, okay, mm mm-hmm. And then Shelby bursts in right after that with a stack of books that she's getting ready for school, school supplies. Throws them on the table, and I'm like... Oh, man, elephant this now. i got to go preach in five minutes. I'm like, yeah, that's nice, Shelby. And God says, whoa, wait a minute. When you pray to me, Chris, I'm concerned about what you're concerned about. I take the time. God drops everything when we pray to him. And God said, listen, you drop what you're doing and you give them your attention. I put these notes aside. I said, let me see that elephant. Let me see those books. That's what God does for us when we worry less and pray more. That's the God that we know as a father. Another time I'm uh, getting ready to do a report for the state police. You know, when it was like to get money and develop, it's like sort of like a grant thing, and I had to write it because I was in the evidence department and it had to do with evidence, and I'm like, oh, Lord. You, you, look, you don't want me writing nothing for you, all right? You may want me praying for you. N- writing, no, all right? So I'm like, oh man, I prayed my way through that. I'm big on asking God to teach you. So I'm like, Lord, teach me. Teach me how to hit a golf ball, teach me how to do this, cook an omelet. Teach me. Teach me how to write this report. This thing's gonna go all the way up to the major, maybe even to the colonel. I'm gonna see my all right. So I write it. They call back from Trent and say, who wrote that report? Captain said, common thing that happens, you know. I did. No, no, he didn't. He didn't say that. But sometimes they try to take, you know, the glory, right? (laughs) Some of you know that's true in here today. But anyway, that didn't happen. He goes, Chris Seinwicker wrote that. Really? Now, I don't know why they were surprised. Come on. But seriously. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote it. I prayed my way through it. I worried less. I prayed more. The paint on my house, another example. Said, Lord, what color should I paint this house? Now, why would I pray about the paint on the house? Here's why. Because God knows who wants to buy that house next or whatever. I said, Lord, you know who's going to live in this house someday besides me. You know what color they like. So we pray about it. We pick a color. My brother-in-law goes, dude, you even prayed about the paint? Come on. You're taking this too far. (laughs) You know what? It's like, who does that? You'll do that if you want God to be good for you, good to you. God, because I depended on God for the paint. Whoever buys my house some days will say, I bet you they say, I like that color. Amen. (laughs) Because God is good to those who depend on him. Amen. And this is what's going to happen. Not only are you going to see more answers to prayer by living this type of lifestyle, not only is God going to be good to you, but you really are going to worry less. It's not natural at first, praying about everything. You've got to make a conscious effort. But look at Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace whose mind is staying on you because, what's the reason? Because he trusts you. You're going to get to the point when you develop this habit, it's going to be like breathing. You're not even going to think about it anymore. You're going to be rolling up in coals like I was last night. Look, I went to coals last night, Need a new pair of pants, okay? I prayed my way through that store. I'm praying around, Lord, you know what color I should wear. You know what to do. I'm constantly relying on God as a father. I'm in Kohl's. Last night at 3 o'clock, I come across these. I seen the waist size first. I ain't telling you what the waist size was. Hey, look here. $13. That was marked at 55. 70% off and 20 more at the cash register. I said, come on, God. You are good. He's good to those who depend on him. Learn to pray about everything and thank him as you do, Philippians 4.6. But Chris... What if I pray for the parking spot and he puts me five blocks away? What if I pray for something that don't turn out the way it should? What if I fall into sin? Can I still seek the Lord? Listen, God says to seek him on everything, no matter what, right? If he puts you five blocks away, he's either protecting you from something or someone, And that's where trust comes in. you got to trust God as a father, not just a God as a father. So if you pray for a parking spot and you get one all the way over here, thank him. That's what the Bible says to do. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Philippians 4, 6, the latter part of the verse. You thank God. You're not always going to be five blocks away, though. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're going to see more answers to prayer than the average person. But sometimes it may not come out the way you pray. That's because God is engaging his fatherly overlook on you. You have insurance, though. When you pray about things rather than not praying about them, hey, God is obligated to get involved, to take action. How he decides to do that, he decides to do that. you got to let God be God. So how are we supposed to pray? Many people say, you know, I don't know how to pray, man. It's awkward. I've I've discipled many guys. I had the men's Bible study at 6 a.m. morning. Tomorrow morning, every Monday morning, there have been guys in that group who would not pray out loud, who do not know how to pray, and that's fine. Now they're praying like crazy, but, uh, and seeing God show up. How do we start? Because it's not natural. It's natural for us to muscle our way through. We start with an acronym called PRAYER, P-R-A-Y. Praise is how you should approach God. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to pray. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for my breath. Thank you for my home. Whatever comes to mind. You approach God with thanksgiving, the Bible says. You be thankful, right? Request. You tell God what you need. I don't care if it's a flat tire. I don't care if it's a hamburger. I don't care if it's a milkshake. You all heard that story with the milkshake and Chick-fil-A. I don't care what it is. You pray about it. You're giving God an opportunity by praying about it to be good to you. Then you admit, if you feel there's anything wrong that you've sinned against, God, here's the coolest thing. You confess it to God. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness like the undriven snow. That's what you're like when you confess your sins to God. You are clean, pure. And, And the Bible says in Hebrews 8, I don't have that verse up, but it says God will remember your sins no more. So you praise, you request, you admit, and then you yield. You yield to God's will, just like Jesus did. Not my will be done, Lord. Your will be done. And how should we speak to God? Here's a simple example, Exodus thirty-three, eleven. The Lord would speak to Moses. How? Face to face as one speaks to a friend. God wants to speak to you as a friend. He wants to get intimate with you. So if you're praying, you might say something like, Lord, I don't know how to write this report. Father, you know how to write this report. You know who's going to read this report. You know where the mistakes are. Thank you, Lord, for directing me. Always throw thanksgiving into your prayer. It's powerful. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you something. This book right here, book them, Dano. No, I'm not going to book you. I know I'm retired now, so you ain't got to worry. I ain't going to book anybody, but look. The truth is, my wife made this book. It's a book of answered prayer, a book of thanksgiving. Powerful little book. Another step in learning how to live this lifestyle is to remember well. When when the Lord took Joshua through the river, the Jordan River, know what he told him to do? He said, now go back into the river. Joshua's probably like, hold up, Lord. You just took all of Israel through the river. You want me to go back into that river? Yes, Joshua, I want you to go into the river. I want you to go and pull out 12 stones, and I want you to put them on a river bank as a memorial of what I've done for you. If you remember well, you often hear me talk about answer prayer. It's what we're supposed to do. God says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're supposed to remember what God has done for you. I don't care if it's a milkshake, a bicycle, a dog. It don't matter. Your job is to pray about it and then remember and talk about the goodness of God. And you'll be excited the next time you pray. And that's what this book's about. My wife made it. It's all answered prayer. And if the camera can help me out a little bit and maybe hone in. Here's an answer to prayer. Two little babies that me and my wife adopted. We prayed nine years. My wife calculated last night to have a baby. That's a sure answer to prayer right there, right? God is good to those who depend on him. What else we got in here? We got all kinds of stuff. Oh, here's one. Shelby wanted to get a bike, so she prays. I pray with her for a bicycle. You know, God is my witness. Somebody dropped off a bike. Say, hey, I found this on the street. Figure you might want to happen. I looked at Shelby, I'm like, yo, we're taking a picture of that bike. <laughs> hey, God is good. Worry less, pray more. What else we got in here? Oh, I got a going one for you. I go to a game, or no, I go, to a, I go to a benefit for a trooper's daughter who was sick and Cherry Hill, crowded, I'm talking packed. Well, they got this big old gigantic basket, right, full of Philly stuff, Philly's tickets, Philly's popcorn, Philly's shirt, Philly's hat, you got it, it was in it. Now, at the table, I'm sitting with a bunch of coworkers, all like, oh, I'm winning them Philly tickets. I got this, I got that, no, I'm getting them. I walk over there, away from those dudes, I walk up to that basket, I'm like, Lord. (laughs) I put my hands on that basket, I said, Lord, you want me to win this basket? Let me win it, Lord. There's about a thousand people in here. Amen. And I go back to sit at the table, don't tell anybody. Bam! Sit down, they call in the numbers, they're giving away, you know, this thing, that thing, spa. They get to the Phillies thing. Everybody they start screaming. The guys on my table, I got that one, I got it. I'm sitting all quiet. I think my number was like, I don't know, let's say it was one, two, three, four. They go, one, Two, three, four. I went, bam! I said, I pray for that. Oh, the whole table was like, what? what? And I, I said, you guys ain't understand, man. Here, I, I got the ticket. I'll take that basket. Yes, Phillies. Amen. Worry less. Pray more. Remember well. Put it in a book. Make a book. Remember your answers to prayer. What else we got in here? Oh, I'll show you. Crazy Marty. Where were you at? Here you are. All right, so this one here, right, this is when she starts praying. This is at the pet store. That's Marty. Yeah, he's spoiled. Look at this one. What in the world? Anyway, you know, hey, now he's part of the family. God answers prayer, right? Living a lifestyle of worrying less, praying more is huge, and it's right what God wants us to do. Pray more, worry less. What's our very first step? The very first step is this. Before we even pray, we got to make sure that our prayer is connected, right? Properly connected. The word connect means to be joined together in such a way that it provides access and communication. If you, if you Google connect, that's what you'll see, right? So how, what gives us access to God like that. Well, the only way I can explain is one time I had to investigated theft. I was in the state police financial crimes unit assigned to the casinos, and somebody literally stole almost half a million dollars from one of those casinos. So I'm in this specialized unit that only did financial crimes. The investigation was gave, given to me, and uh, I found out who did it, how he did it, and I also found out he fled the state of New Jersey, right? So what do I had to do next, I got to get a warrant for his arrest. In order to get a warrant, I had to make an appointment with a Superior Court judge, Atlanta County Superior Court judge. Now, I'm sitting in Atlanta County Superior Court judge's personal chambers. I'm talking where he's got all the pictures of his family, family vacations, all that, right across from the judge in his personal chambers. He reviews my case, signs off on a warrant. We get a $500,000 warrant signed for this guy. But the thing is, what gave me access to go into that judge's chambers? My position. Of a trooper, obviously gave me access. What gives us access to God 24-7? And not only to God, but to his heart. What gives you access to God's heart? There's only one position in the entire universe that'll grant anybody. It's not being religious. It's not being good. And here it is. I'll give you a little hint. Matthew 18. Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. And said, surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become what? As a little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That's Jesus Christ, not your friend, your priest, your pastor down the street. That's Jesus speaking. He said, unless you be converted and become like a little child, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven, let alone receive answer to prayer. People pray all the time, but it doesn't mean they're getting results. We have to become like a little child, the Bible says. Jesus said that. Why? What did Jesus do for us that makes the difference? 2 Corinthians 5, for God made Christ, who never sinned, that's key, because we've all sinned, who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God. How are we made right? Through Christ. God made Jesus Christ sin for us. Jesus is often referred to as the second Adam. Why? The first Adam came, right, was tempted. First he started out sinless. He didn't do anything wrong, Adam. He's got no sin on him. He's tempted by Satan, he sins. Jesus had to be born of a virgin so he didn't inherit that sinful nature. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. They started having children. Their children started having children. And that sinful nature was passed on to all men, the Bible says. So when we're born, we inherit a sinful nature. That's why we're prone to sin. That's why the Bible says all have sinned. All have make mistakes. But here's the key. The Bible says for you to truly be forgiven, a death must occur. The wages of sin is death. And that death must be sinless. So here comes the second Adam to straighten this whole mess out. He's born of a virgin, so he doesn't inherit that sinful nature from Adam and Eve. He goes into a desert for 40 days, head on with Satan. Satan threw everything he could at Jesus Christ in an effort to get him to sin. Jesus, who never sinned, then went to a cross, was beaten, buried, and resurrected so God could open an adoption business. Look at my all time, because I have two adopted daughters, favorite verse in the Bible. Ephesians 1.5. God decided in advance... He decided, he saw this mess, he saw the sin, he sees it today. But God made a decision way before that to do what? To adopt us. Did you know the word adopt was in the Bible? To adopt us into what? His own family. God decided a long time ago to adopt sinful Chris Seinwechter. Where? Not into a church, into his own family to grant me access. Look what it says. How did God do it? By bringing us to Himself. Through how? Through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave God great pleasure. God crucified His Son so that I could have access into His chambers and into His heart. I come through Christ, and I'm adopted. I know God as a father. That's why I can pray about my golf swing. That's why I can pray about a bicycle. That's why I can pray for a grandmom who's saying, I want to be able to see my grandbaby. Why, why do I have authority? Do I have a gift of prayer? No, I'm a child of God. That's my gift. Amen. I'm telling you today, if you take my advice and I plead with you that you do, there's a lot to cover on prayer. And I cover the major hindrances of prayer. There's no time this morning. Anybody ever wants to learn more about prayer, just get a hold of me, and we'll go over it. But listen, if you take my advice today, I'm telling you, three things are definitely going to happen. You're going to see more answers to prayer than the average person. You will. Sheer mathematics by praying about everything. You're going to worry less and see God show up more. What would you rather have? More worry, less of God showing up. Less worry, more of God showing up. That's your choice. Pray more, worry less. Worry less, pray more. And third, oh, this is huge. You're constantly gonna give God one opportunity after the other to be good to you. Oh man, how good is that? In this crooked world that we live in today, don't we need a father that's good to us? There are people that are struggling the relationship with their earthly dad. God says, not with me you won't struggle. You rely on me, I'm good to those who depend on me. You gotta know me as a father. I'm going to give you that opportunity. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Knowing God as a father is key. Your first step in answer prayer, but it's also key to eternal life. Jesus said, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're converted as a little child. And We do that by simply praying this. This is similar to what I prayed when I first discovered this about God. Pray this with me if you want to know God as a father. Lord, forgive me for my sin. And thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus Christ to die in my place. Lord, today I accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Lord, adopt me today, right now, as your very own. And this is key. Lord, teach me. How to enjoy you as a dad. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And with every head still bowed, I just want you to simply raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to pray for you today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. Tons of hands. Thank you. Thank you. Now let me end in prayer for those who raised their hands. Father, I pray for every person who has raised their hand today, Father, that you would teach them not to worry but to trust you. They may not know where to go, how to start. Not a word in the Bible, Father. Just how I started, Lord, and Lori started. But Father, I pray that you bless them. I pray that you lead them to the right people. I pray that you lead them to the right places. And I pray that you teach them that you are a Father that is good to those who simply depend on you through prayer. Bless them, Lord, and bless everybody else. Let them have one of the best weeks. Let your face shine upon them this week, Lord. Encourage them not to worry, Father. Thank you for the opportunity of being up here, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. God bless each and every one of you. Love you.